morning at Shaped by God's Word as we conclude our series on uh, the habit of God's Word and the habit of grace of what God's Word does to us and how it shapes us. Thanks, my love. And this text really does give us a wonderful picture and prophesies to us and speaks to us about God's Word. And so we all need this great help. Our series has followed some of these lines. I'll just give you some of the headings to help you remember them. And you can go back and listen to them on the website, but it was the flourishing life, Psalm 1 and 2. Those who trust in God's ways, in his word, flourish. What does it mean to have a flourishing life? Delighting in God's word. Is God's word a delight to us? God's big picture, God's big story in the word was another week. And then receiving, trusting and obeying God's word was last week. But this week, we're going to look at this text, and I'm going to do a four-point sermon. Now, don't freak out. Sermons are supposed to have three points. I'm <laughs> hoping God can still somehow help us this morning to get through it. It's, number one, an invitation of grace. This passage is an invitation of grace, an invitation to receive grace. Number two, is God's ways are higher than our ways. Number three, God's gift of his word to us. And number four, what does God's word accomplish? Talking about this passage, uh, Paul Tripp says, this passage is written to a people who have been in captivity to remind them of God's offer of grace to them and the gift of his word. God's great offer of grace and the gift of his word. Verses 1 to 7 is an invitation to grace. It says, Come, you who are thirsty, come to the waters. Those who have no money, come and buy. Come and buy wine and milk. Strange combination. Wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money on that which is not bread and your labor on that which does not satisfy? There's an invitation to buy real bread, real food, something that satisfies. And what a strange picture how Isaiah pushes aside actual food and says that's not even satisfying. I don't understand Isaiah because I've been satisfied many times by such things as food. (laughs) But he's saying there's something deeply satisfying that is more than that. What is the real bread? He can't get no satisfaction, Mick Jagger said. Do you remember? (laughs) Many of you don't because you weren't alive. Mick Jagger did not read and understand Isaiah 55. He did not know about this text. There's an invitation to great satisfaction, but what is it? How do we be satisfied? How are we truly satisfied? And it's a freebie. It's a freebie. That ought to shock us. This food you don't pay for. You can't buy it. There's no money that can purchase it. What is this real food? And then the invitation continues and he begins to uh, ask that what the person who receives this invitation, what might their posture be? And he describes it like this, as I says, listen diligently and incline your ear. It requires a humility. It requires an acknowledgement that you need to listen, that you need to hear. I don't know about you, but so often I I speak before I listen because I I really don't think I need to hear what other people are saying. (laughs) I hope you're laughing because that's you as well, not just me. 
the poise, <laughs> yes, thank you for laughing. <laughs> the poise is to incline our ear. Maybe God knows more than us. It's like trying to explain something to an expert. Have you ever been caught out doing that? Like trying to explain to Roger Federer, Roger Federer about tennis, and then halfway through you realize, oh, this is Roger Federer, probably should stop talking and ask him some questions. <laughs> or maybe you're spoken to Mark Tapping about beards, and halfway through you realize, no, I, sh I should listen to the master. <laughs> we were going to do a Mentimeter this morning, Mark, on, on Ask the Church whether you should grow your beard full back, but we, we didn't want to see the stats up there. <laughs> But ask an expert, right? Ask an expert. God is the ultimate expert on all things, on his, on, on his word. He is the one who put everything together, so he must know. Is there any greater expert than God himself on all things regarding life? No, there's not. We have to receive and incline our ear humbly. Seek the Lord, it says, while he may be found. We call upon him. And then it says, let let us forsake our ways. Let us forsake, how's this one? Let us forsake our thoughts. I don't know about you, but I only think my thoughts are fairly good and I'm critiquing other people's thoughts. How can you think that? <laughs> the Bible calls us to forsake our ways, to forsake our thoughts, to abandon all that nonsense. If we think we're clever, God calls us to abandon all our cleverness. We ought to humble ourselves and acknowledge that only He knows what is good, what is the right ways. We ought to abandon all that nonsense. Whoever wants to save his life must lose it, Jesus said in that way. With God, we have to acknowledge Him and admit that He is God. And then there comes a promise of this invitation which says, let us return to God because He has great compassion and a and is abundantly pardoning. God welcomes and rescues us in so many ways. What an invitation to receive the grace of God. God's compassion is great, and His pardon is great. So the first part of this text shows us there's a great invitation to God's graciousness. Um, we can receive from God because He's kind and gracious. He wants to share His word with us. It's the problem is usually on our end, right? We're the ones who want to talk more and tell God what to do or want to hold on to our thoughts. And so Isaiah turns from this, at this point from an invitation and he turns to a distinction where he says in verse 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. God says, the way in which I am is so high, it's like the furthest reaches of the heavens, like a star that you can just twinkling see. Do you have any concept of that star, like what its texture is, how it functions, how it works? Maybe some small ideas. Have you ever held it in your hands or caused it to reflect light? Why does light reflect like that? I don't even know. The scientists can tell you why. They don't know why the light bounces and reflects. Why are the laws of nature even in existence? They can tell you gravity exists, but why does gravity exist? Well, God had to knit it all together. God's ways are so far above us that they are, so, they are in a sense, beyond our understanding, beyond our reach. Isaiah turns to this distinction, and it's a necessary distinction. As far as the heavens are above the earth, God's ways are higher than ours. We could not understand or measure it, and we, therefore we desperately need God to speak to us. We desperately need God to show us who He is, to instruct us in our ways. 
Think about how patiently and graciously he allows us to learn his ways. He's way more patient than I am. As a father, I expect immediate, perfect obedience from children, which is a crazy position to take. (laughs) God is much more gracious than us. But we desperately need him to speak to us, to show us his ways. Think of Adam and Eve in the garden. God forms them and puts them there, and he begins by speaking to them. The first thing God does is instruct them because they are in need of hearing from God. They have no capacity to find out their meaning, their identity, their purpose, how they ought to function, why they are there without God speaking to them and instructing them. There's no sin even entered into the world and God instructs them. God, we are in desperate need of God's word, not because, only because we're sinners, but because we are human, because we were created by God. We would not know how to do anything really well if God had not revealed himself. And he reveals himself in common grace. So there's good things which everyone knows because God has revealed them. But there's also his word which reveals to us how to flourish, how to live in his work and his ways. We are in desperate need because we are human. Have you acknowledged your desperate need of God's word? To understand yourself and to understand life, you need God's word, not just to fix things. But we also do need God's word to fix sin, (laughs) to speak to sin. Sin separates us in the way we think and the way he thinks. There's a big difference because of our sin. Sin reduces all of us to fools. I don't know if you've ever admitted that. Sin reduces all of us to fools. It distorts our desires. We need God to interrupt us with his word. We need him every day so we can see ourselves accurately. And that's why this picture, this bread, is such an accurate picture, because we are fully dependent. The picture that Isaiah gives, come and buy bread. Bread is life, right? If you don't eat for a few days, what happens? Or you get grumpy, but there's other things that happen as well. You start to die. (laughs) We've been watching a series called Alone, where that happens. They put people out in the middle of nowhere, and they just slowly starve (laughs) until they tap out. It's brutal. That's the picture, that is the picture of you without God's word. Watch alone, you'll learn a lot about you. This picture of food is such a good metaphor because you can see what happens. They start to deteriorate, they lose their thought, they can't really think straight, they start to, they're weeping all the time, they're yelling at mice, they're doing all sorts of crazy things because they're just, they're starting to lose it. This is us without God's word. We need God to rescue us. The problem is we get food, right? We're not in that alone situation. We get food. So we think, I'm okay. You know, I, I, I slept last night. I must be okay. I had a meal. I must be all right. God, the, picture of God's, the, the picture that the prophet's giving us here is you are desperate for God's word. You cannot survive for God's word without God's word. You absolutely will perish without this. That's, that's the biblical view of God's word. Do you believe it? Do you need God's word? Or do you just need Cocoa Pops in the morning? You can't have Cocoa Pops. You didn't, sorry. (laughs) We need God's word. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. What an image. What an image. We are completely ruined without him. 
I am the bread of life. He is the one who speaks his word. Hear him. The father said audibly on the Mount of Transfiguration, this is my beloved son. Hear him. Listen to him. He has the words of life. Jesus said that he is the resurrection and the life. He said, all authority has been given to me. I know all things and all things are mine. Come to me, all you who are weary, all you who are perishing. Without Jesus, we perish. The way to keep your life is to lose it, Jesus said. Hear Him, the very Word of God speaking, the fullness of God's Word. Hear Him. Do you hear Him? Oh, thank you, God, for your rescuing truth, for your rescuing world. Where would I be without God's Word and God's ways? The stunning grace of knowing God through the difficulties and struggles of a broken world and broken situations. The stunning grace of God to rescue my parenting, to rescue my husbanding, to rescue my friending, to rescue my work, to rescue me in every way. Oh, the stunning grace of God's Word. Oh, the goodness of God's ways. God's ways are higher than my ways. I cannot survive without His ways. I desperately need Him to speak to me. Oh God, Your ways are higher than mine. Your thoughts are higher than mine. Oh, that I would know them. Oh, that I would eat on them and feast upon them. Let Your Word become like that to me. Better than food. Better than life itself. Do you believe this? Do you celebrate God's Word? Or do you think that you know more than Him? Embrace your humanity and the effects of your sin, and say, I cannot live without your word. God, your ways are higher than mine. And so what a gift, point number three, what a gift is God's word to us. It says this in verse 10, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, they do not return. You ever seen rain returning upwards from the ground? It doesn't happen. The rain and the snow that comes down from heaven, it does not return, but it waters the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. And so shall my word, which goes out from my mouth, so shall it not return empty, but it shall accomplish that for which I have purposed. And it shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. God's word is a gracious gift and it is powerful. God's word changes things. You can ask a farmer about rain. Rain changes things. If you have no rain for month after month after month, things die up, they shrivel and die. When the rains come, life begins to come. Things are changed. There's a fundamental transformation. There is power in God's word which transforms things because behind that word is the awesome God himself. Behind his word is Him. He is giving us of Himself. The Word of God produces fruit and changes things. You know, in my garden, three drops of rain produces incredible weeds. <laughs> it's like you, you know, just need three drops and weeds spring up everywhere. You can't even walk in there anymore. It's just power. It's like a miracle. It's useless to pray against it. <laughs> 
Think of the potency of just rain. And now you think of the potency of God's word. I need God's word to grow. I know in our vegetable patch, when I, if we go away for a week, you come back, there's nothing left. It's all gone, despite months of labor and pain and sweat and tears. And then we think we can live without God's word month after month. What a gift is God's word. You want to put yourself underneath its reign. You want to sit and be soaked. You want it to pour over your life. Behind his word is him. You want it to water you and to grow you. What rain is raining down on you? If you're in my car, there will be country music raining down on you. (laughs) All right? What a gift. (laughs) You You will grow into an amazing emotional, strong person. You'll understand emotions. You will, be, you will have fruit in your life. I'm not saying it's good. I'm just saying that's what will happen. What rain is raining down on you? Maybe the rain of social media just pours upon you. You're just on Facebook 24-7. Pouring that over yourself. Maybe it's the words of others that play over and over again in your head, raining down, feeding your heart and growing something? What is growing things in your life? Maybe it's your own thoughts. Thoughts of shame. Thoughts of discouragement. What is raining down on you? Oh, let it be God's word. Only that word has power to change things. Maybe it's even your work life. You're so consumed in your work that that is shaping your thoughts, your hearts. The culture of your work and the way you spend your days is raining down upon you in such a way that it's transforming you into its image. Some of you in this room, I believe, are in that exact position. Your work life is transforming you. Your work culture is raining upon you. Some of you in this room, your social media habits are raining upon you and shaping you. These things grow, but they don't bring life. There is power in the Word of God. And I don't mean power just to grow. I mean exceptional transformation power. Read carefully. Read carefully what it says. There's exceptional power to change. What accomplish, What does God's word accomplish? Because it says it's going to bear fruit, it's going to grow, but what will it accomplish? What purpose is it sent forth? You know, it's a lovely sentiment. God, you will, your word will accomplish everything. Okay. Everything it's set forth to do. What is that? Well, Isaiah begins to tell us in the next verses when we read on. He says, instead of the thorn, there shall come up a cypress. Think of that transforming power. When we feed something, when you water something out of the grass, out of the ground, something grows. But when you plant a, you know, a cabbage, the cabbage grows up there, right? Unless, I don't know, that's, just, <laughs> that's what happens, right? I've been told. I haven't succeeded yet. When you pour your life, when you shower down upon your life, 
other thoughts, maybe social media, work environment, other things that grow you, you will grow in them. You, a cabbage will grow up into a cabbage. God's Word, it says, when it rains down upon the thorns, a cypress grows. That's the kind of power that God's, God's our Word has a transformation power, a fundamental organic change inside. When, when we allow God's Word to rain upon us, it's not that we become a bigger and better us. I become a bigger and better thorn bush with more thorns um, hurting everyone. <laughs> I become something completely different to who I was. I become transformed by this Word. The power of God's Word is to transform us, not to make me bigger and happier and more thorny and to get all my ways, all my thoughts to maximum potential that I wanted. It's to fundamentally shift and change me. God's Word, we need it. What a blessing. What a privilege. What a gift is God's Word to us. How gracious a gift is God's Word and what power it has. What power it has. This Word accomplishes what it was sent to achieve. And there's another thing which it's sent to achieve. Listen to this. For you shall, shall go out in joy and be led forth with peace. Peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing. The trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn will come up the cypress. Instead of the briar shall become the myrtle. And it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign, and it shall not be cut off. The ultimate purpose of God's word is to bring worship and glory to him. The creation will adore him. An everlasting name will be given to him. He shall be the King of kings and the Lord of all. He, his rule and his reign will be exalted. Everlasting sign. It shall make a name for the Lord. And it will transform our own hearts to worship and adore him. The ultimate purpose of God's word is worship. The exaltation and the glory of God. God's own glory. That we, through his word, will become a people who delight in his glory who celebrate Him, who live for Him. All of creation will do it. We were meant to do it. We will do and be who we were meant to be. We will be the most whole and happy in our truest purpose, and our lives will be shaped as they were meant to be. We will be fully alive. God's Word can do this. And the pathway is through thorns becoming a cypress, briars becoming a myrtle. A fundamental organic transformation. The reign of God's word fundamentally changes your heart. Do you believe it? You don't become a bigger you, you become a radically different you. We forsake the glory of God for temporary glories, and we want to live for our own glory and replace God with our own comfort, power, and pleasure. We are like a thorn bush who wants to grow more thorns. Thorns in the place where God's goodness and glory were meant to be. God, give us your word. What a gift of grace. Do you desire God's word? God's word can fundamentally change you by the power of God's grace. Acting through his word, he is going to radically change you. You will, so that you, can no longer, you will no longer desire to have yourself at the center of your universe, but you will want Him to be there. You will want to live for the glory of God as the central motivation of your life, and you will rejoice along with all of creation. You shall go out 
with peace and joy. Now I recognize uh, you may all be there already, but I am not. <laughs> Having the central motivation of my heart. But what grace that God's word comes to us and leads us in this way. And when you think of this, you can not think about it without thinking about the person and the work of Jesus. How God transforms us is by his word, and his word leads us to Jesus. It shows us Jesus, the very center of God's word and revelation to us, to humanity, is Jesus. His life, death, his resurrection, his ascension releases me from my bondage to me. It offers me right standing with God. It gives me sufficient grace to live for God's glory all of my life and a sure hope of an eternity where sin and death is defeated. The word of God rains down on me through the person and work of Jesus by the presence and help of the Holy Spirit. Oh, what a transforming grace. Bless the Lord, for he gives me Jesus. Bless the Lord, for he gives me himself. And if in the valley I must stay, bless the Lord, for he gives me himself. He gives me his word. Do you love God's word? Have you embraced your desperate need for it? Do you believe in and celebrate its incredible power? Are you encouraged by its transformation of you? And do you desire more of his word? More of Jesus? Are you deeply grateful to have met the one person who has the power to alter everything in your life. This word is transforming of our self-love and self-glory into a love for Jesus and a desire to live for his glory. God help us to love his word and live under the reign of his word. Jesus, I invite you to shape my life and to set my direction and purpose. I want to listen to your word. I want to be transformed. I welcome your Holy Spirit, and I fix my eyes upon you. Do you believe in what God has spoken? Do you desire his word. I'm going to close by reading Isaiah 55 again, one last time. Just let it wash over you. Let it stir your heart. Let it even transform you in this moment. This word has power. Receive it humbly. Listen to it. Trust it. Obey it. Isaiah 55, come, everyone who thirsts, come to these waters. And he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come and buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me. And eat what 
is good and delight yourself in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live and I will make an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Verse 8, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near and let the wicked forsake his ways and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him for our God and to our God, for our God will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts and neither are my ways your ways. For as far as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts your thoughts. But as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and they do not return there, but they water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it will accomplish that for which I purposed it and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. You, for you shall go out with joy and you will be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing and all the trees of the fields will clap their hands. Indeed, or sorry, instead, the thorn shall come up Instead of the thorn shall come up a cypress, and instead of the briar shall come up a myrtle, and it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your goodness, the great grace and gift of your word to us. Oh, may we treasure it. May we love your word. May we desire to sit under its reign. Let it shape us. Let it transform us internally that we might become more and more like Jesus. And now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask and think, according to the power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.